for the Lord. By the way, online, Debbie, in Jesus' name, we proclaim the healing power of God. Cancer has no hold on your life. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. The the thing that I want to talk to you about is God is a God of more than enough. But we don't recognize that because we do not understand the fullness of God's grace. But these things are a gift of God that you receive them by faith. You receive them by faith. And the faith is not that you have the great faith that brings a miracle. It's a faith that God already did the miracle. Because he did. That's what grace is. And the difficulty sometimes that happens, what the Holy Spirit uh, Show me many years ago, but is really reiterating in, I believe, this breakthrough year, this, this new level God's taking us in a spiritual uh, elevation, if you want to use that term, is that because we don't understand the grace, the stress and pressure of life that Jesus died for that Jesus paid the price for, it attacks us. And watch this. It's not because our heart is not right. It's not because we're not born again. It's not anything. It's just because we just don't understand in simplicity grace. And with that, because of that stress and that pressure, then there comes the anger with sin, it comes the unforgiveness. It comes the, the, the thoughts that are way out of line, but they bring worry. It brings depression. It brings oppression. And watch this. Because when I say this, because we don't understand grace, when I say this, we take it the wrong way. That it's our fault. The reality is, is that we just don't know. And I'm talking to everybody that's listening and watching online. Everybody in this house. Because we don't know, and because we don't know, the result of knowing grace through faith doesn't transpire in our lives in fullness. It becomes 30-fold. It becomes 60-fold. And God is more than enough. God is a hundred-fold God. See, I'm not result-oriented, but God is. God watches over his word that it would do what it was sent to do. That's Scripture. See, what grace does is it causes you to look in the mirror and say, I am that I am because of him. 
And who you are is an amazing, gifted, anointed, caring, loving person who walks in divine health. We have all been attacked in our bodies. We've all had situations in our bodies. Disease, sickness. But we must understand grace. It is a gift of God. Paid for. There's nothing, watch this, in the result-oriented God of watching over his word. There's nothing you can do to change what God already said is. And we're going to spend a couple weeks on our Savior. What does it really mean that we have a Savior? What does it really mean? And because we have a a result-oriented God... I'm a faith-oriented man who believes in the result-oriented God. And because of that, I'm living my life looking in the mirror and saying, everything that God has said is yea and amen. It's true. It's for you and you and you and you, everybody watching online. And there are many watching online right now. And I want you to grab a hold of this because all of this stuff we're trying to break, we're trying to stop, we're, we're trying to get over our hurt, we're trying to, all of that becomes a fulfillment because we understand grace. And so through the weeks that we've been talking about grace and works is this is God's desire that we so mature, that we so grow into the avenue of grace that in life, whatever may come, we can boast as was stated. As Pastor Ryan was leading us, as all of the team was leading us in this worship and trying to express with their words a depth of who Christ is, who our Savior is. And when that happens, I want to tell you the breakthrough that is already manifesting, that is happening in many lives that I know will just become a, a river flowing. It will become a raging river. It will become a river just constantly. And it's not only just for me as an individual, it's for those that I know. It's that where I am, the presence of God is. Not because I'm any better than anybody else, because of grace. Grace. And where I am, the presence of God is there and healing will arise. Families will come together. Disease will leave. Things will melt away that used to be there for years and maybe even decades. 
and you've been that believer that's believed and quoted Scripture, all that. But I'm just saying to you, all of it becomes so real in your heart. Watch this. Your faith becomes so real because you understand a God who is grace. Thank you. Thank you for what you you presented to the congregation this morning. It is a powerful thing. It is a real thing. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. Even the person in the box. (laughs) You can't hide. We still see you. Living a grace-filled life. Father, I thank you for the word that transforms life and destiny. From the youngest to the oldest that is in this house, I thank you, Father, that that revelation of grace will be so real, and it's because we have a Savior, one who has saved us. And we give you honor for the Holy Spirit. Reveal that truth that even this week, that situation that has arisen, that has just broken our hearts or, or brought such stress in our minds, in Jesus' name, that it will be seen correctly. And Father, move quickly in the reality of your word over those situations to everybody that I know here. Everybody that's listening to my voice, in Jesus' name, move, Holy Spirit, move in that mighty way. Amen. Amen. So we're going to conclude this series next week, Living a Grace-Filled Life, but we're going to talk about our Savior today and next week. As we conclude this, I want to catapult us into a, as they brought today, a thanksgiving, because in America we celebrate thanksgiving and the true meaning of it, and especially the Christmas season, and the true meaning of Christmas especially. There is a song in the hymnals of old, for some of you uh, my age, you might remember the hymnals. On page five, <laughs> there's a song called Blessed Assurance. In that song, there's a line that says, I in my Savior am happy and blessed. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. You know, I thought, Man, that's right. That's so Holy Spirit-led, that statement. That's why I'm happy, because I have a Savior. My happiness doesn't come from anything else but that I have a Savior. And in the midst of sad situations in my life, there's a joy and a happiness in me because of the grace of God that has given me a Savior that I have received for myself. And that I have prayed and believed God 
that everyone that I touch would see the power of salvation through me. They would see the transformative things that my Savior has done in me. And my goal is, as your pastor, is that people will see that in you too. That you are the most happiest people in the world. Not because everything's great, but because you know grace and you know your Savior. Such a simple thing to say, but it's so deep, church, and this is my goal today and next week regarding a grace-filled life that you recognize this, and it will change everything in your life, even if you know there's more to know, because I'm still learning how great my Savior is. But here's the dilemma. I'm not sure we really understand how great our Savior is. I'm not really sure that in, in uh, church life, in Christendom, that we really understand how great Jesus is, that we really understand how much we needed a Savior and or saving, and how much we still need a Savior or saving today. I'm not saying that we've lost salvation because of a wrong action. I'm telling you that there needs to be a lifestyle that says, I don't get it all yet in my mind. I don't really understand the fullness of having a Savior and what it entails and what it gives me. And so the growth of a church, the spiritual growth of a church can be stymied because we don't understand the depth and or the simplicity of grace. And then how wonderful he is. How wonderful Jesus is to me. When you talk about grace, you are talking about the most amazing person in life. Jesus Christ. Let me give you an illustration regarding needing a Savior. If you were at a lake and you were in the deep end and you started to drown and you knew that you couldn't get up, all of a sudden someone reached down and grabbed you and pulled you to the shore and set you down and wrapped you up in a blanket. My question to you, would you be happy? Yes, you would. But let me give you more help to understand how happy we should be in Jesus. What if the Savior said, the saved you in the lake, I want you to understand you never have to fear drowning again. Our first thought would be, are you going to teach me how to swim? That would be our first thought. But he says, no, because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you again. There will never be a time in that lake that you will be alone. I will continue being your savior and I will continue be the one 
that is saving you. I will be with you every moment of every day for the rest of your life. My question, would you be happy? Would you be so ecstatic that that took place? The problem is, like I said earlier, is that a lot of us have learned to swim. And we begin to think, (laughs) well, maybe we don't need a Savior at this time. Maybe, you know, I can handle this. I got this. I got it, God. No worries. The only problem with that is this. We don't understand how great our sin is and what we were saved from. How great our sin is, let me give you an illustration. It's like an ocean, our sin. We get in a helicopter and we drop you in the middle of an ocean. No land in sight. I don't care how well you swim. You're going to know at that moment you need a Savior. Someone's got to come and save you because even though you're a great swimmer, you will not be able to swim the hundreds of miles that is needed to get to a shore. So let me say some more here because I want you to catch this in the conclusion of this series because you are such amazing people. But I want us to recognize in this grace, he is more than enough. There's more for you. Whatever you've asked for or even thought about, God is more. Your Savior is more. There's so much more for you. There's so much more peace. There's so much more joy. There's so much more healing, financial strength, whatever it may be in life. God made a covenant with mankind, and he sent his son to die and to be our Savior, and he rose again on the third day in victory. You and I can live in victory. It's finished. It's done. But we have to understand it's by grace through faith. We have a Savior. The reason we, I, am happy is because I, we, have a Savior. Not because this is good or that's good or this is going well. It's because I have a Savior. And if you don't know this, your happiness is that you need a saving. Not being born again, again, but you need a saving. And the saving comes because of understanding grace through faith. Are you with me? Okay, you're all in deep thought. I got you. 
And if you don't know you need a saving, if you're married, nudge your spouse and ask them. They will tell you, you need a saving. Now, let me just give you a couple scriptures, getting ready for Thanksgiving and and Christmas. Luke 2.11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Matthew 1.21 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. The reason Jesus is called that is he's a savior. (laughs) Simplistic pastor here. Let me just show you the name Jesus in the Greek is Yeshua. Jesus is a Greek literation of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. Jesus means in the grace, in the Greek, Savior. Yeshua in the Hebrew means God is salvation. So in the English translation, we say Joshua. But did you know there are two prominent Joshuas in the Old Testament? And I'm bringing this to you because I want you to see what the two Joshuas did. And we're going to see the perfect picture of grace. One of them is the captain of Israel that led Israel into the promised land, the guy who worked with Moses, Joshua 5. The second is found in Zechariah. And and, and this is so cool. He is a high priest who led them back into the promised land after being in Babylonian captivity. Okay, let me say that again. He led them back to the promised land. God names his son Yeshua. Now, one leads them into the promised land, and the other leads them back into the promised land after they messed up. I hope you're seeing grace here. And I want you to understand, you and I have messed up. Here's my premise. I'm going to show you what the two Old Testament Joshuas do, then show you the New Testament Joshua and what he does. And we're going to take two weeks because there's a lot here. I could take six weeks on this subject. But let me give you the first point. And at the conclusion, I'm going to give you the second point, but we're not going to talk about it till next week. So really grasp what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us to know today. The first point is he saves us from the dominion of sin. He saves us from the dominion, the power, the authority, and the rulership of sin. No longer you are under that. No longer sin rules you in grace. When I told you the two Joshuas, your mind probably went, of course, to Moses' successor. 
But I want you to know his mother never called him Joshua. She didn't name him Joshua. Number 13, 16, in the New King James, it says, These are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So we see his real name. In the King James, it says it like this, Numbers 13, 16. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. Jehoshua. Hashua means salvation. Moses adds the je to Hashua, which is short for Jehovah. So Jehoshua means God is salvation. So we must understand God gave the law through Moses, but Moses explains through the name of Jehoshua, God is salvation because the law wasn't enough. Remember what we talked about is the law showed you the need of Christ. So the only way to get salvation is to know God is salvation. John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'll read that again. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. By the way, in verse 17, the word but is not in the original text. So if you're going to read this verse, putting the word but in there, it seems like that the law is bad. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not. Verse 17 is literally two statements. Here's the first one. The law came through Moses, period. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, period. We need a Savior. So the reason why the law isn't bad is because the law leads us to God is our salvation. It leads us to Yeshua. It leads us to this life of grace, a grace-filled life. Isaiah 43, 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Nothing saves us except our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Salvation does not come from being perfect. It comes from believing in the perfect one, Jesus Christ. Pastor, I know that. I know you know that. But there's got to be a depth in there. There's got to be a, a transformational thinking that in reality, we are moving into life and life doesn't beat us to one thing to another like a pinball machine, but our focus is on, I have a Savior and at times in my life, I need a saving and the saving comes by understanding grace and living grace through faith. It's not doing any work. It's not... It, Nothing like that. And so when we don't understand that, it's always by works. How many of you know, we've learned this, that our works were of filthy rags. 
and they don't produce what we want to produce. And there are a lot of wonderful, godly, peaceful, giving believers that are struggling in life when the balance of life is tilted, when COVID takes place, when wars and rumors of wars happen. Scripture even tells us about that. In January, on Sunday evening, we'll begin talking about what does the Bible say regarding end times. And we're going to barely touch on Revelation because it's all through Scripture. Now, here is how we are not under sin or the dominion of sin. In Romans 6, verse 14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Let me put it a different way. This just said, you will have situations in your life, but it will not rule you you will continue to walk in grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. Why? Because you understand grace. You understand you're not under the law. There is not something pointing its finger at you and saying you're worthless. Because God has already pointed his finger at you and said, I chose you. I chose you. And I chose you to walk in what I have gifted you with. Why? He's your Savior. He's your Savior. It's a gift of God. You're not under Moses. You are under Yeshua. I'll say that again. If you get this, you're not under Moses. You're under Yeshua. You're not under the law, but under grace. So in Joshua 5, the earthly Joshua met the heavenly Joshua, Yeshua. In Joshua 5.13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him, with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said, To Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. By the way, what makes the land holy is that God is there. The ground with the burning bush is holy because God was there. That's what makes our services holy, because God is here. His presence is here. And when we look at that, it's not because we've had the greatest worship service ever and pastor finally spoke well. Don't look at me that way. 
it's because we understand grace. And we understand that that's God's heart to be present with you always, which he is in your spirit. I love the answer to to Joshua from the Lord. Joshua asked, are you for them? Jesus said, no. So Joshua's probably, cool, he's with us. He's got a good sword. Oh, did you get that at Kmart? No, anyways. Joshua asked, are you for us? Jesus said, no. (laughs) Jesus' answer is, Joshua, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. Jesus didn't come to take sides in your situation. Jesus came to take over. It was funny, um, Terry and I periodically will uh, have one of our grandchildren alone with, with them so we can spoil them rotten and then send them home to their parents. <laughs> but we, we had uh, one of them over yesterday uh, after our meeting this, uh, yesterday morning, and uh, we were playing games. And right in the middle of the second game, because... Our grandchildren are really good at games, and they usually beat Papa and Grandma. Well, yesterday, we were winning, either Terry or me. We were winning. And uh, then there was a time where our young grandchild was sitting there and looking. Praise God that she prays to the Lord. But she was getting ready to grab the card. We're playing sorry, okay? To grab the card, she said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, make it be a... And both Terry and I looked at her and says, God's not even in this game. <laughs> you know? So God's not here to take sides. He's here to take over. He says, I'm not going to get on your side, but I'm here for you to get on the winning side, my side. He saves us from the dominion of sin. Joshua got it, and and watch his reaction, and I'm going to explain this. So Joshua takes his shoes off. In the Jewish culture, taking off your shoes is you have proclaimed you give up your rights. In situations of life, when you understand grace and you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in due time he raises you up, you take your sandals off, not literally, but in your spirit, you take your sandals off and you give up your rights. What's the world say to you? I got my rights. What's the Constitution tell us? It's biblical. Our rights come from God. So you get on his side. And and we watch the world. We watch our own lives. We watch our families. We watch our coworkers. And we see this stuff going on. And we're wondering why. And we're praying. And we're believing God. And there's tears. And there's torment and all this. 
Let me just show you, in the Old Testament, uh, you probably remember this, this name, Boaz. <clears throat> and Boaz wants to marry Ruth. So Boaz knows the culture, goes to the nearest kinsman, Scripture tells us, who has the right to marry her and buy the land back after there was a death. So the, the nearest kinsman, he has a right, or, Scripture tells us, is called the right of redemption. The right of redemption. Before Christ... You live by your own rights, by your own works, and they were not good enough to get to heaven. Ruth 4.8 says, Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, the near kinsman, buy it for yourself. And what he did is he took off his sandal, which was a sign. In other words, a close relative, nearest kinsman, had the right, but he took off his sandals. A relative was next in line, but he gave up his right. When you understand the grace of God through faith, you begin to give up your rights to him. You begin to give up the emotions that you have to him. And then you begin to arise in this grace-filled walk by understanding what Scripture tells you, how you handle the situation. How many of you know what Scripture says about the situation and you didn't do it? Can I raise you? (laughs) Fingers, toes. Can I borrow some of your fingers, you know? We've done that in life. But I know I did that because I truly didn't allow my revelation of grace to fulfill my heart and my feelings and uh, what I say. And I'm not talking about being this robot, you know, Thus saith God. And we start, you know, the Moses thing, the Hollywood thing. What I'm trying to bring to us is what you know, but I'm really trying to say, let's halt a minute. There's so much going on in life. We've got to get back to the basis and then go deep. We got to get back to the basis of that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe would have everlasting life. That's truth. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. That's truth. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And we get to grace, 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 grace. And we begin to walk through faith. There begins a confidence. That's what faith is. Faith really is a confidence 
in what grace is. You receive it and you believe it. See, even if you haven't received Christ yet, but this has impacted your life and today you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, begins a journey of you recognizing everything that has been gifted to you through Christ in your salvation is a done deal. It's a gift of God. Then you will have a Savior. For all of you in here that are born again, listening, and later on 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 podcasts, whatever it may be, and you are listening and you know Christ, I'm just asking you. No, I'm not asking. I'm begging you to grab hold of this truth of grace and dig deep. Dig deep and understand the issues of life. They flow out of the heart. But when you understand grace and it's in your heart, you're going to see breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. There's victory in Jesus. So the way sin does not have dominion over you is you take your shoes off to the commander of the Lord's army. You submit to him as king of your life. And how do you do that? You submit to his grace. You submit to his grace. But the problem is many of us put our shoes back on. We come before the Lord and, and this is not literal, but we come before the Lord naked, knowing that he knows all things. And we confess him as Jesus Christ as Lord. And sometimes us believers who are so talented and gifted, by the way, by grace you receive those from God. He even gave you your gifts. The problem, many of us put our shoes back on first. We start believing we can do it on our own. But we knew we needed a Savior years ago, but now, hey, after years, I got this thing. And we become too big for our britches. Now, after I said that, I even got a notation to the side, the Holy Spirit said, then tell them, but God wants you to think big. He wants you to move in such a realm in your life that you are, ladies, beautiful, anointed, gifted, have a destiny and a calling. Men, you're, you're handsome. You're gifted. You're anointed. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How are you strengthened? As you give yourself up to Jesus. Grace. So I'm here because the Savior saved me. I walk in my calling because I have a Savior. And everything that I am and will be is because of the grace of my Savior. And I will work hard like I did when I played sports as a young person 
day after day practice and working out all that to better myself. But bottom line, I want to tell you, we do the same thing. That's why we go to OSL. That's why we go to Bible studies. That's why we do these things, because what we're trying to do is to impart into our own heart the Word of God with the revelation of grace. And our confidence is not in the result. Our confidence is in the result of what the Savior did. And he did all things. He completed everything. He said, it is finished, and it was finished. It's done. So there's no question, well, you know, maybe the Lord, you know, has a better idea. He has no other idea other than the Word of God. And if the Word of God says it, it's true. It's yea and amen. That's the life. Let me tell you, whether you've, you're new here, and it's so wonderful to see you, and if you've been here for decades, I want you to understand, as we continue in this next level of growth in the body of Christ, in the church, what God is prophetically speaking is that there's going to be a depth. There's going to be a depth where we reach our hands and our feet and we grab a hold of the Word of God. And we will stay with that Word. Grace through faith. Let me give you the second point, and then I'm going to ask you to stand. And I really felt led of the Lord to pray for families. I, I, I did this message a long time ago. And the Lord told me, pray for families with this message. So there's something particular that God is wanting to do. Now, what, I, what it really is entailing is salvation. It's not entailing like, you know, um, my daughter broke her finger and, you know, that's all important to God. That's all inclusive in the covenant of God with us for healing. But what the Holy Spirit is saying to me is, is we need to really pray not only for salvation, but that our family understand we have a Savior. Let's all stand. I'll give you the second point in a second. And we're going to see this, this Savior saves us from the guilt of sin is our second point. We're going to have three points here. Throughout many years, we touched on this three weeks ago. Throughout many years, what I hear so much is a result from guilt in Christians' lives. And so when there is biblical advice, many people call it counseling, I give biblical advice. I'm not a licensed counselor, but I'll tell you what, the Word of God is pretty good stuff to counsel with. But when I give biblical advice, there's many, many, most instances, there's an automatic doubt because of a result of guilt. Next week, we're going to wipe that away. We're going to give you a clean slate. And the guilt and the condemnation that some of you have lived with for years 
in your life is going to be wiped away. Why? Because you understand grace. Let's pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The captain of the Lord's army. I proclaim an absolute revelation over every one of our family members. That the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit will just absolutely overwhelm them with this grace. Holy Spirit, prepare our hearts next week to wipe the slate clean of guilt so that we can begin walking in this absolute peace and joy and be able to boast in the trouble that life brings that we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We can walk in this absolute Satan, I come against you now in Jesus' name. I rebuke you now in Jesus' name because of the thoughts that are racing in some folks' head right now, the struggle that right now you are bringing up pain and suffering that they faced for years again. And I rebuke that in Jesus' name that has been developed by not understanding grace. And Lord, this whole week, reveal the truth. And Satan, I I just say, stop and desist from bringing this confusion this whole week. Holy Spirit, pour out your revelation, pour out your knowledge and wisdom on all flesh this week. And Lord, I'm praying for the miraculous power of God to move around the world. But now, in our church and in our individual homes and all that it represents, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before, amen. Praise the Lord. Before you leave, there will be people in the front if you need healing in your body. We prayed. You need healing. You want extra prayer and advice and counsel. They're here for you. Tonight, actually this afternoon, Spanish ministry. Tonight, our Bible study. Make Bible study a lifestyle. God bless you. We'll see you men next week on Saturday.